you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, thank you very much. You may be seated. Such a joy to have all of you here this morning, our second service. I said in the first service, I'm really grateful. I didn't realize it was another weekend holiday, three-day weekend, so I'm really grateful that you are here, stayed home, came to church. I got encouraged this week. I was doing a little traveling, and uh, so I had an opportunity to listen to uh, one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Chris Hodges from Highlands Church up in Birmingham, Alabama, a little small church. They have uh, 38 campuses, one church, 38 campuses, about 45,000 people in their church. And, and uh, listened to three messages at the beginning of each one. He took the time to say what I just said to you. We're not 45,000 strong here, but you're that strong in my heart. And uh, he stood up and ba- they were starting a new series. And he said, you need to do whatever you got to do to make sure you're here in the house. We live in a day and a time in America where the enemy gives us every kind of a reason and excuse to play hooky from the house of God. And I just, I, I just want to say thank you for making the house of God a priority in your life. We don't realize that when we buy into, you got to be gone 20 weekends out of the year. Uh, you don't realize what that does to your spiritual life. You don't realize what it does to your children. You'll know one day. You just don't know today. And uh, so I appreciate your faithfulness, and, and uh, everybody needs vacation, amen? Everybody needs a time when they can get away, but uh, the reality is we're called to not forsake fellowship with our brothers and our sisters, our community where God has joined us, and so I just wanted to start off by saying that. I have four things real quick before I jump in the Word this morning. I'm going to try to knock them out in four minutes. First and foremost, I want to say uh, it, we're just incredibly excited what God's been doing in our house since the first Sunday of this year. As after the first service this morning, we have now had 76 people make a decision for Jesus Christ in six weeks. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty exciting to me. And uh, I, I, I want to encourage you. You should always get excited and cheer and rejoice when someone gets saved. I told the first service this morning, there is no greater miracle in the world. You could have a dead person laying here and we could raise them from the dead, but the greater miracle is the gift of salvation. Because yeah. you, can, you can go to heaven sick in your body, sick in your marriage, sick in your mind, sick in a lot of ways, but you can't go to heaven if you don't know Jesus. Because the Father said, there's only one way. Jesus declared it. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door to the Father. And so every time somebody responds, and I said a week or two ago, I don't care if it's their seventh time they've responded or their 77th. Because from the time I was eight, when I first responded to Christ, until I was 18, when I really started walking solidly day by day, wanting to be a disciple of Christ, I had to hit the altars at least 70 times. Because if I got near the presence of God, conviction just came all over me. And so I just run down the altar and get saved again, you know. And, uh, but the reality is one day it sticks. Amen? And so I rejoice every time anybody responds. And so it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. 
Three things real quick. We, we're starting to talk about this a little bit more every week because it's really vital in our house, and we want you to know how important we believe it is. First of all, we have corporate prayer twice a week, every single week. Sunday morning, 845, in the auditorium before first service. Uh, we spend 15 minutes. There's about 50 or 60 of us in here, and we just worship and pray and intercede over our house. Then Tuesday morning, 615 to 7 o'clock, every single week for 31 and a half years, we have been praying. We are a house of prayer. We believe that nothing's going to happen in here unless it's first happen in the place of prayer, saturated in prayer. So those are great opportunities. And I know the enemy will give you all kinds of reasons. Sunday morning, you're going to, you, you're too tired from Saturday night and Tuesday morning, you didn't get to bed early enough on Monday night. But if you're going to have a life of prayer, especially corporate prayer, you got to make it a priority and don't let the enemy rob you from that because it's good. It'll change your life. Secondly, Growth track here at The Rock. It, these are classes that we provide every single month, first Sunday of the month, uh, the first four Sundays of every month, except for the fifth Sunday months. We start a new class, and uh, Growth Track is all about helping you to, especially those of you that recently come to Christ, uh, to help you to find your place and to, first and foremost, uh, in our class, the first class we teach is to know God. Jesus said, Father, in, in his prayer in John chapter 17, he said, my prayer is that they will know you. Many of us know a lot about God, but he wants us to know him. And so in our Grow Track class, our first one, we, we really teach and have an emphasis on what does it take to know God in your own personal life. I don't want to just spend my whole life doing religious duty to find out one day that I re really never knew him. And I didn't know him for a reason, and it wasn't because God wasn't willing to reveal himself. It was that I never got serious about wanting to know him. I've been married to this woman for almost 40 years in a couple of months, and uh, there was a time 44 years ago in our lives when I first met her in Bible college, and the minute I realized that, that there was something special about her, you know what I did? I went home and did nothing, put my hands in my pocket, and just hoped it would happen. Not hardly. I pursued and I wooed. I pursued and I wooed because she was important to me. And I pursued getting to know her. And once I began to know her, it confirmed everything that my heart had already told me. Whoo, sweet Jesus. And I said, Lord, sweet Jesus, I want to live the rest of my life with her. But I pursued her to know her, and to know her opened up a door that caused me to go, I want to know her more. Forty years with the same woman, and there's a grace to not only love God, but love each other. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. And even like each other. And can I tell you something? Y'all don't be touching your husbands right now. That was a wrong time. I was a wrong move right there. It's like, dog, I know I got to love him, but I got to like him too. Come on, give us a break. Like us a little bit. So we want you to know God. The second class we teach is find freedom. 
Man, we want to help you find freedom in Christ. And then thirdly, we want you to discover your purpose. God has a plan for you today. We're starting a new four-week series, and it really is all about finding the purpose and plans of God in your life, what God's desire is for you, even when you don't know that he loves you as much as he loves you. God wants more for you than you want for more for yourself. God has more desires for you than you can ever imagine or think. That's why uh, the writer declared we needed to believe God that he would do abundantly above, beyond what we could even ask or think. You know why? Because he's well able to. We need to change so that we can receive it. And you, and you get positioned that way when you know him and, and you begin to find that freedom. The third thing is to discover your purpose. Why am I here? What is the plan of God for my life? Am I an accident going somewhere to happen? Am I a mistake? Or does God really, not only does he know me, not only does he want me to walk in freedom, he whom the sun sets free is free for a little bit? No, he's free indeed. He's free to be the person, the man or woman that God created them to be. And God wants you to find your purpose so that you can begin to live it out. And you know why? Because the fourth one is we want you to make a difference with your life. And you're the only one that can make a difference in what God has called you to do because nobody else is going to fulfill your shoes. You're it. Say, I'm it. it. The rest of you say, I'm it. it. You're it. And we want you to find that place and begin to walk in. And then lastly, uh, as you graduate from growth track, maybe you get, go through water baptism. We're having baptism here next Sunday. I'm going to have a great time and uh, really encouraging those that have responded to Christ over the last six weeks to uh, follow the Lord in obedience. It's the one opportunity when you get to publicly declare, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He died for me. I'm going to live for him. And that's what baptism is all about. And so we're going to offer that. And then our desire is to get you in a connect group. Just find people to connect with, a community of believers, because nobody in this room is good enough to make it on your own. I know you think you're good. You're just not that good. We need one another. Men need men. Women need women. Couples need couples. Older men need younger men. Younger men need older men. Older women need younger women. And and younger women need the wisdom that comes from the older uh, gals of the house. We need each other. And uh, we were not, you know, as Jedediah said a couple of weeks, man, an isolated Christian is a, a defeated Christian. You're not going to make it if you're out there trying to make it for God on your own. You're just, you're just not that good. And the enemy will beat the hell out of you. You heard it right here in church. Whoo, I'm going to pray for him. He cussed in church. No, if that's the worst thing that could ever happen, that'd be awesome. But it's not the hell of being separated eternally from God is the enemy's desire for your life. He wants to pick you off. And the way you don't get picked off, man, you gravitate to the brothers and sisters and the families God has joined and knitted you to and let them be around you. Let them be a help for you. I got to get into my message. Everybody say amen to that. All right, so I'm starting a new series today, four-week series. Pastor Jamie and I are going to be preaching this. I'll preach uh, this week and next week. Pastor Jamie will preach the third week while some of us are in Cuba doing ministry. And then the fourth week, I'll be back to wrap it up. And to get a little help for the title of this, uh, I solicited something that's pretty funny. Watch this as uh, it introduces my title. First tattoo? Yeah. Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? 
Stay in your lane, bro. Look to the person on your right and say, stay in your lane. Look to the other person on the other side and say, stay in your lane. So I want to talk, I want to use this kind of a funny little video as a, as a kind of a jumping off place. You know, in it is some real spiritual truth. I don't have any tattoos on me because I don't like, I don't like pain, number one reason. And uh, I've never found anything that I thought was pretty enough or good looking enough to, to stamp it on my body. I have the tattoo of Jesus on me. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. It, the rest of y'all can have all you want, but I just do not like, I'm not going to pay a lot of good money for somebody to give me pain. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. But uh, there, there's a lot of humor in that. And uh, we're going to use this kind of as a jumping off point to, to look at some spiritual truths that Father God wants, actually, actually has empowered us to live in. When I told uh, Suzanne last night the title of my four-week series, she said, stay in your lane. How are you going to preach that for four weeks? I said, baby, I need like eight weeks. The things that are in my heart, Hector and I got to preaching in between services this morning. He confirmed that, that, that uh, he's like, pastor, there's so much good stuff in that. And uh, the reality is when you look at a lane, whether it's a car lane or a lane for uh, uh, running a race, maybe you did track in high school or college and, and you did a, did a sprint or something. While, while I'm just thinking about it, uh, Juan and Melissa are with child number, how many is that? I can't remember remember. Is it four, three, four, five, six, four? They're, they're, uh, they stayed in their lane and uh, they have baby number four coming. So I rejoice with them. Uh, uh, Melissa finally gave me permission to, to tell publicly what I've been holding privately for a long time. I don't do that well. So Melissa, are you happy? Yeah, I did. I did. I did that really well. So Anyhow, this idea of staying in your lane, finding, you know, your place and, and uh, you know, for everybody that drives a car, don't you love it when you're riding down the highway and everybody just stays in their own lane? It's one thing when you're going five, right? Five miles an hour, it's like, hit a brake, you're good. But when you're out there on the interstate, and lately, I just don't really enjoy driving the interstate anymore. I just would give me an airplane ticket. I'll fly anywhere because there's crazy people out there. Where's my phone? They're on the interstate, 85 miles an hour like this. And they're not just reading texts. They're, they're like reading whole articles. And, you know, and, and, do you know how far you can go in 10 seconds going 80 miles an hour? You can go a long, stinking way. And uh, there, there's a lot of horrible, tragic accidents out on the highway today because people need to learn to turn this off, put it away. I love uh, Jordan Spieth. He's a professional golfer. And uh, when he had kind of come into all his glory a couple years ago and won a bunch of tournaments, everybody was wanting him for commercials. But I thought the, the best commercial Jordan Spieth did was he got into his car and he put his phone in the glove compartment and closed it. And the whole commercial was uh, it only takes a second to lose the most valuable things in life, either your life or someone else's. And uh, so you get out there on the interstate, and I'm always really, really thankful when, when people are, are, you know, hands on their steering wheel, they're looking, they're paying attention. And uh, you, as the other driver, need to drive really super defensive. Why? Because somebody is not watching what they're doing. Especially when you see those big truck drivers out there and they got a phone up in their face while they're driving a 45-foot rig loaded down with stuff that's going to take them a long time before they're going to break. And the reality is when everybody stays in their lane, 
it's a good day. When you're running a race, it's good for you because you're not going to get disqualified because if, if you go over into someone else's lane, immediately you're disqualified. You can go ahead and run the race. You can even finish first. But when you get there, the second place person coming across the line won because you were disqualified because you got out of your lane. And as believers, there's, there's a lot of things that are really important in our lives that we need to walk in and walk out. And it begins really with us knowing who we are in Christ. So I'm going to share with you eight different teaching topics that we're going to share over the next uh, four weeks. We're going to try to wrap all these up in a couple of, uh, uh, each one of us, a couple of different messages. But the first one that I'm going to touch on today is discovering who you are in Christ. Man, there's nothing more important as a believer. Once you're saved, once you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, and, and your, your heart is saved, your spirit man is saved, your mind is messed up. Can I get a, another amen besides those three right there? I mean, you get saved, and it's like, woohoo! I feel free, I feel clean, I feel redeemed, everything feels good. Problem is, the sun's going to rise tomorrow, and all that junk that's been in your mind is going to have to be renewed because it's still there. And so you start this process, and what are you doing when you're renewing your mind? What is it you're doing when you're spending time in the Word of God is you're finding out what God has to say about you. You're finding out some really important things, who you are in Christ. That's why the enemy, and he doesn't care what he needs to do. How many of you grew up in a religious setting where the Word of, you went to church, but you never really were encouraged to read the Word of God or to open up the Bible? Maybe you were Orthodox, maybe you were Protestant, Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopalian, a whole bunch of us. We, we, man, we went to church faithfully. The only problem is we didn't know what God actually said. Right. We knew what the man up there with the cloth said about what he said. But can I tell you, that's not good enough. Can I confess to y'all that I am not a good enough preacher to give you everything you need before now and next Sunday? I mean, I, I do my best. I give it my best. I pray. I study. I read. I, I get away. I quiet myself. I want to hear from God. But everything that God speaks to me and I deliver my soul, it is not good enough for you to have nothing else till next Sunday. It's just not good enough. I mean, I give it my, and listen, it's not, I'm not, I'm not standing up here with false humility. Chris Hodges is not good enough. Oh, come on, somebody. Steve Furtick, he can shout and scream and holler. He ain't good enough. You can go out to Hillsong in Australia, Brian Houston, not good enough. Even our buddy Francis Infuso, not good enough. Preaching maniac machine, Jedediah Thurner, not good enough. Why? Because we got we to gotta have the word in us daily. We meditate on the Word of God. And daily, that Word that's working in us, working in our mind, it's what it's doing is it's trying to get your mind lined up with what's in your heart. You remember when you got saved, your heart, you just felt good. You felt redeemed. You felt clean. You felt forgiven. But then you go home, and all of a sudden, there's a thought. And it just scares, scares you to death. You're like, wow, I thought when I got saved, I wouldn't have any more of those again. Nope, you're going to have some. Jesus said it this way. He said that uh, those who love me and serve me with their whole heart, those who are willing to take up their cross daily and follow after me, uh, the path to righteousness is going to go from broad 
That's what you've been living on. You've been living on this broad path. You come to Christ, get saved, give your heart to Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Lord, he begins to go. You go from six lanes, 12 lanes, to six lanes, to three lanes, to one lane. And then all of a sudden, there's a path. And that path, that's your lane. That's where God has you. And guess what? Jesus said, oh, meant to tell you, it's going to be a hard path. It's going to be difficult. And you go, <laughs> I wanted the easy path. No, no, he didn't promise us an easy path. When, when, when we come to Christ, what he promised us is his grace to walk down a difficult path. He's graced us to walk in the fullness of what he's called us to do and to be about. And if we're, not, if we're willing to not give up or quit, if we're willing to renew our mind, then what's going to happen is, is that even though the path is difficult, it's tough, all hell's coming against me day after day, every obstacle that the enemy throws my way, I'm going to just use it as a stepping stone. I'm going to go up, up, and up. Why? Because the enemy's coming against me, but instead of running into the stumbling block and falling over, I just jump up on the stepping, uh, stumbling block and make it a stepping stone. Because why? His promise is sufficient. You say, well, I, 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 I haven't known that. Because you don't know the Word of God. That's why the enemy wants to keep you out of the Word of God. That's why he wants to give, make, he gives Hollywood uh, directors, he gives them just some creative, they just have amazing ideas to make amazing TV shows that will just mesmerize you and you don't realize you just watched 22 hours of television this week, read the Bible for seven and a half minutes, and you wonder why. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to anybody here in here this morning? Preaching the truth. We, we got social media down. We got Facebook down. I, I, I am amazed. I don't know why I'm amazed anymore. But, but somebody will say something to me and I say, oh, well, I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, it's on Facebook. That's why I don't know it. I'm Facebook illiterate. And I, I'm a happy Facebook illiterate person. I mean, I, I just don't need it. I got on, I, I got on my, my wife has Facebook, but she's very seldom on it. And the other day, we had heard about somebody that we went to college with, uh, uh, a precious friend of ours from years ago, and, and uh, we found out he had had a stroke. And so uh, Suzanne said, yeah, I think somebody said that it was on Facebook. So I didn't even know how to get around. But I, so I got her phone, and I just started going through, and, and finally I, I got his name in there, and it, it popped up. And sure enough, it his wife's telling the story of, of what he went through. And, and, then, and then I just touched on something. Next thing I know, there's all these other people I used to know. And then I touched on one of them, and then there was all these other people I used to know. And, and then I touched on them, and then there was all these other. And, and before long, man, she had gotten out of the tub. She had dried. She had brushed her teeth, done her hair, put, put on makeup, looked great. And I, I'm all of a sudden lost in this Facebook world. <laughs> and I was like, and then all of a sudden, I came to my senses, and I was like, run back to Jesus. I don't have time for this. How do you accomplish anything when you live on Facebook? Because there's always some, oh, yeah, I remember him from 47 years ago. What's he doing now? Who's he married to? Did I know her? No, I didn't know her. How many kids? Like, seriously, do you even care? The problem is some of y'all do. And you waste so much time. And you don't know. 
that when the enemy comes to beat you up because you committed a sin this week and you hid it from your spouse, your husband, or your wife, and, and you feel really guilty about it, and now you got all kind of condemnation in you and walking around all beat up, and you come to church and you can't even worship God, you barely get your hand up like this, your head's down, and you're all beaten up with condemnation because you don't know that the, the Word of God says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, live after the Spirit and not after the flesh, that all you have to do is confess your sin and immediately like that you're forgiven you're redeemed now you can lift up your head and lift up your hands and worship God why because he loves you he's already he's already paid the price for the sin that you just committed this week and you're walking around carrying it with all kind of guilt it's like a bag of bondage you're like oh my gosh is it is it Saturday yet I just left church yesterday you telling me it's only Monday and I'm weighed down yes you're weighed down with the guilt of sin because you didn't know that, that when you gave your heart to Jesus, come on somebody, you can also give him your mind. You can give him your mind. And it'll begin to change you from the inside out. So we're going to, did I only give you point one? <laughs> Y'all got to leave me alone. I got to get through this. Number two, we're going to talk about knowing that your heart and your spirit are saved so that we can get to number three, which is to learn to renew your mind daily. I gave you all of that, just not in form. So number four is this, walking in the freedom that Christ brought, uh, bought us on the cross. Find out what took place when Jesus hung on the cross and the blood he shed and what right do you have because of what he did. We're going to find out. We're going to, we're going to delve into this and see what Holy Spirit has to say. Number five, we're going to talk about finding our lane, living in our lane, and staying in our lane. You can't walk anybody else's lane. I have three sons, as most of you know, Nathan, Andrew, and Luke, and um, I have been their father their entire life. I was there for conception. I was there for delivery. And uh, some of y'all get that this afternoon. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and, and I, 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 Suzanne, I raised them. I taught them all how to ride bikes. I taught them how to, to snow ski. I taught them how to play golf. I taught them how to do a lot of things that they do in their life. And, and I've also been their pastor for 38 years, 36 years, and 35 years. And, and so, you know, they, in a lot of ways... Um, uh, not only had the, I, I would hopefully, they would say the joy of me being their dad, but I've been their spiritual father. I've been their pastor. And for, I think every one of them, I've been their boss at least once or twice, fired most of them, but I think there's still one on my staff. But now Andrew actually quit to go do what he wanted to do. And, and, uh, but, 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 you know, when I look at my sons, I realize they, they could buy into, man, I've heard everything dad's ever preached and ever going to preach. And, you know, there's nothing new under the sun and I'm going to just sit here on the front row and kind of nod and smile. But, or, or they can press in and go, what more does God have for me that he can even use my dad to bring it into my life? That my dad can be a source of life and strength and edification because I'm choosing when I walk in here that he's not my dad up there, but he's my pastor up there. And there are times when, when every son needs a father, there's also times when they need their pastor. 
And the reality is, is that pastor, it's all about building, edifying, equipping, trying to get every one of us to that place. That's why when I'm not up here preaching, I'm on that front row, I'm taking notes. Man, I got my iPad out. I got my little keypad out. I'm taking notes of everything that's being said. Why? Because I'm a saint before I am a, a, a minister. I'm a saint before I'm an apostle. I'm a saint before I'm a pastor. And I need the, the, the teaching of the word of God just as much as everybody else. Why? Because I need to be built up, edified, and equipped for what? To do the work of the ministry. And so when we realize that and walk in that, find our lane and live in that, I don't want my son, I've never wanted my sons to live in my lane. You know, I just, when they were little, you know, I combed their hair the same way I combed mine. And and so if mine was up one way, theirs was up one way. And, you know, and, and then there came a time when they grew up and they wanted their own thing and do their own thing. Now, you know, most of them drive trucks. And I actually tried to drive a truck the other day. I actually tried to like a truck. I actually have test driven the truck a couple of times. And every time I try to convince myself, you know, my sons look pretty cool riding around in town with their trucks. They can throw all their stuff in the back. And then I go ride in the truck and I go... I'm just not a trucker. <laughs> just give me my SUV back. I mean, I want a truck closed in. My golf clubs, you know, can be uh, taken care of. No water on them, you know, unless I'm out playing golf in the rain. And, and, uh, but, but, you know, they got to walk in their lane. I got to walk in my lane. Hear me. You got to walk in your lane. You got to walk in your lane. I, I don't care who anybody else is in your life. There's a lane that God has just for you. Nobody else can walk in it. If they try to walk in it, they're violating. Because they can never be you and you can never be them. Would you say amen to that? Because I got to move on. What number was that? All right, number six. We're going to talk about fivefold ministry given to equip us to live in our lanes and listen to this and to prosper in our lanes. How many of you want to prosper? I want to prosper. I want to, I, I, that means in every area of my life. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in every area of my life. I want to prosper. I want to be so blessed. Matter of fact, I pray the prayer of Jabez all the time anymore. And that was Jabez prayed and he said, God, bless me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing to others beyond whatever I could dream or even imagine for. I want to bless others, man. I want to touch lives. I want, I want, to, be, I want to have to give. Because can I tell you something? I grew up poor. I know what it's like to have lax flack and not enough as your best friends. And all you can ever give is the hope that one day you'll have something to give. And when I went to Africa the first time 30, 30 and a half years ago now, and it radically changed my life, I found out that God wasn't American, wasn't uh, white, and didn't speak only English, that he's the God of the whole world, and he loves the whole world, and all God's children are his children, and God has a place for each and every one of them, and they're special, and they're wonderful, and they're unique. And in that, I found out that God's love for me radically could change my life. And I could be everything that God called me to be, and I didn't have to be them, and they didn't have to be me, that all I needed to do was find out where am I supposed to be, what line am I supposed to be on, and am I walking in what God has for me? We're going to find all that out and hopefully help you in that. Number seven, why the enemy wants to keep you so distracted and get you out of your lane. See, I preached all this in the first point. And then number eight is the necessity to fight with the white, who with the white with the white weapons. <laughs> Been watching too many uh, rare rabbits, and uh, the necessity to fight with the right weapons to overcome the enemy of your soul. God has given you weapons. Most believers in the body of Christ don't even know what those weapons are. We're going to help you, Jamie and I, together. Maybe Jamie, you should run with that. There you go. You just got your message. 
All right, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 42. I want to I want to just kind of jump off. I, don't, I only have a few minutes to wrap this up, uh, but I, I want to share with you as we are, are looking at uh, God's purpose in my life and me finding out who I am in Christ Jesus and finding out the goodness of God and God's bigger than I am, God's bigger than even my ability sometimes to know who he is. Uh, the other day, I was reading a devotional and I came across this uh, particular book and chapter in the Bible, and I was like, wow, I, in 31 years, have not preached out of the book of Job very often at all. Job's just one of those guys that you go, wow, man, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't understand. And so I try not to preach stuff I don't understand, you know. So, so I've tried to look at Job's life, and you look at the, at the beginning, and, and I'm going to read you out of the last chapter in just a second. But just as a quick refresher, you remember who Job is. He's a guy that, that God was kind of proud of. And when Satan came harassing God about, you know, what was going on in the world and, and how everybody was re- rejecting him, blah, blah, blah. Then God says, oh, by the way, have you seen my servant Job? Have you, have you watched his life and, and seen what he's done? And so uh, uh, the enemy goes, comes back, and he says to God, well, I guess so. I guess he is loving you. Look what you blessed him with abundant and above beyond what he could ask. You've given him everything. And he said, you give me Job, and I'll show you that his heart was never after you. And God says, you can touch anything that Job has except his own life. And within a short period of time, all of Job's children were killed, and all of his possessions were wiped out. And he had nothing left but a nagging wife. In the first service, I mistakenly said that she was gone too, but Suzanne came and brought it to my attention that, that she was actually still around. She was a part of that, that uh, uh, um, uh, uh, source of voices in his ear that were not uplifting. Matter of fact, at one point, she says to Job, look, look, look at everything that's happened in your life. Just curse God and die. Honey, I just want to thank you very much. <laughs> That you have never said those words to me. I really appreciate that. Your life is so pathetic, husband. You ought to just curse God and die. Woo! I feel edified today. But uh, so, so Job goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and so we, we go through all of Job's life. And, and he, after losing everything, he has three friends left, if you can call these guys friends. And they spend 41 chapters harassing Job as to all the reasons why his life is cursed and God really is punishing him. And, he, and so they, t- they tell Job all this stuff. And, and, and chapter after chapter, you see, you go through it, and at the end of a chapter, uh, the, the word would say about Job, but he kept his heart right after God. But he kept his heart right after God. How many of you have been through a tough time, but you kept your heart right after God? You went through a trial. You went through a situation. You couldn't explain it. Man, it was difficult. It was hard. You were were brokenhearted, but you kept your heart after God. You would not blame God for the difficulties of life. And that's this character named Job. And so in Job chapter 42, verse 1, it says this. So Job answered God. And this is why he said, this is in the message version. I love this version. And, and Job says this to God in an answer to a question. He says, God, I'm convinced you can do anything. You can do everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You ask, who is this then muddying the water? ignorantly confusing the issue and second-guessing my purposes. And Job answers, and he said, look up here, look up here. Job answers, and he says, I admit it, it was me. 
I admit it. It was me. I, I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head. And God said, listen, let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions, and then you give the answers. And Job answers again, I admit, I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand. From my own eyes and my own ears. What did I say last week, man? You, you want to open in your mouth and taste and see that the Lord is good. You want to open up your, your eyes and, and, and see. You want to open up your ears and hear the goodness of God. And Job says, I'm sorry. Powerful words right here. Look, at, look here and listen. He said, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Man, when a person humbles himself before Almighty God, bring the worst sin in the world, and you say, I'm sorry, God forgives. He forgives. He redeems. He's already paid the price. His son has already died for the sin that you were going to commit. And he says, I'll never do that again. I promise. I'll never again live on crust of hearsay or crumbs of rumor. Wow. I want to be that person. I don't want to live on no crumb of rumors. I don't want to live on hearsay of what somebody else is moaning and groaning about what God didn't do in their life. When you taste and see the goodness of God, all of a sudden you come into a place where you realize, you know what? Just as God was for Job, God is for me. 2019, listen to me, God is for you today. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care where your mama came from, your daddy came from, your education or your lack of education. God is for you. God loves you. He has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, a future for your life. He wants to do amazing things in you. Why? Because he wants to do amazing things through you. There's a world out there that's hurting, dying, desperate, in need for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and know who they are. The church will rise up and live in their lane, walk in their lane, not be distracted by other runners, not be distracted by other people that are crossing their lane. They will stay focused on what is it that God's called me to do and will, where and how will I walk it out. Instead of wondering, man, is God really going to come through for me? We need to go to his word and find out what God already said he would do for you through his word. That's why, hear me, church, if I could get on my knees and beg you to spend the next seven days without missing one day spending time in the word of God, if I could pay you to get you to read the word of God, if it would work, I would. Because it takes no effort to sit in front of stupid vision and veg yourself away and fill your mind with stuff that has no eternal life and rob yourself of the very word of God that'll change your life. Maybe cause you to want to go on a missions trip. Maybe cause you to want to go down to a hospital or to a prison and minister the love of God somewhere. The enemy will do whatever he can to keep you living your life for you. And you never realize how much you're being robbed of the fullness of the goodness of God. Like most of us, you've tasted grief, you've tasted disappointment, You've tasted loss, you've tasted heartbreak, you've, you've tasted discouragement, and, you dis, and you've tasted failure. But God said to Joshua, and I believe he's saying it to us today, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll walk with you. I, I have a purpose for you, and he, tends, he intends to see you through. But God will not do what he cannot do. 
There are things that God has already declared for your life, and the only way it will happen is when you get up and go do it. God cannot walk your walk. Just like anyone in here that has never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear me, God's done everything he can ever do to get you saved. Jesus has done everything he could ever do to get you saved. He went to the cross and he died a horrible death so that you would have the right to become a son or daughter of the Most High God. And God's standing at your heart's door. Jesus standing at your heart's door. He's knocking on your heart. Holy Spirit has prepared your heart. He's knocking, but God will never open that door. You have to open it from the inside of your heart. You have to say, God, thank you for doing what you did so I could do what I can do, which is to receive you. And at some point in time in your life, you have to open up your heart and say, I invite you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, Through Christ's final work on the cross, he redeemed you from darkness, and he transferred you into his kingdom, which is light. Isaiah 64, verse 4 says, God takes great joy in the fact that you are his for eternity. Every day, God acts for you as you wait for him. The word says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will, they will be amazed at what God will do when you just begin to stir up that hunger and say, God, I want to know you. God is for you. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, when you experience disappointments, he walks you through the dark valley. Yea, though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what? Hear me. God never leaves you. You're going through hell. You're going through hell. It's on every side. Torment's on every side. You're being beaten up by the enemy. God has not forsaken you. He's right there with you. And you know why he's saying? Don't stop. Don't stop walking. We're going through the valley, but we're not camping out. We're not setting up tent. We're not pulling in my RV and backing it up and hooking it. No, no. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's with you. Every step of the way, he never leaves you. Sometimes God's real quiet, and you think, God's not answering. God's not hearing. Oh, he's hearing. He's hearing. He knows. But you have to make that decision to walk in the fullness of his grace, one step after another. One stumbling block becomes a stepping stone because you keep moving towards everything that God has for you. Psalm 1611 says, he invites you until life of joy. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, man. Just finding the joy that God has for you and how he wants you to walk in the fullness of it. When you feel dejected over your failures, remember that you are God's beloved child. I'm going to wrap up. Hear me just for a minute, please. He looks upon you as one made perfect through Christ's sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. He looks at you he said, no, God could not look at me that way. I failed. I messed up this week. I did horrible things. I'm ashamed. I don't want to tell anybody. He looks at you as though you're perfect because he looks at you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who already paid the price for your sin and your failure. All you got to do is say, God, I'm tired of carrying this, I'm tired of this beating me up. I need you. Forgive me. He forgives you like that. Just like that. Just like that. You don't have to beg. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to wallow in your sin. You have to say, God, forgive me. And man, just like that, he cleanses you. Now what you're going to do with it, get up, begin to walk in the fullness of his grace. 
That's why we need, that's, that's why church, hear me, that's why you got to get connected in small groups. Because you're not made to live alone. Because you know what? Sometimes, hear me, sometimes after you made something right with God, God's going to speak in your ear and say, you know what? You need to confess that to a brother at prayer this morning, six o'clock over at Starbucks. You just go ahead, tell him what, what you, the enemy's been beating you up with. He's like, oh my gosh, God, I can't, you, you're not going to really ask me to do that. It's so embarrassing. I'm humiliated. Oh, but you're safe in that brother's arms because you know what? He already confessed the same thing. He's already been forgiven of the same thing. He's already dealt with the same thing. We're not standing around here judging each other, putting judgment on one another. We recognize, man, the enemy comes with only three temptations, and we keep giving in to them. And until we confess our faults one to another, some of us are going to just keep on, keep on, keep on having to come back because he wants you to get it right. The humiliation of having to say to a brother or sister, I just need to confess this to you because, man, I've been dealing with this ever since I got saved. A year, five years, 20 years, 30 years. And the minute you confess it, most times there's a spiritual breakthrough that takes place. And your brother or your sister embraces you and wraps their arm and say, look, you don't need my forgiveness, but I forgive you. Wow. I mean, that's God wrapping his arms around you saying, I forgive you i got to close. God is faithful. He has a purpose for your life. Romans 28 says he's working all things together for your good according to his purpose in your life. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you so much today that you have good thoughts for us. You have plans for us. You have a life of victory for us. You, you, you desire us to get in the lane that you have created for us to walk in and to walk in the fullness of the grace of being obedient to the lane you called us to walk in. I pray for every believer in this place today that they will hear this word, they will run to the word of God. Today they will not let the sun set before they open up the word of God and say, God, I need to hear your voice. Pastor's been preaching to me. It's got my number because I've been allowing the enemy to rob me. Make a decision, turn off Facebook, turn off social media, turn off Instagram, turn off television so that you can hear the voice of God. Because in hearing, it will produce life. Every believer, I pray that you will hear and receive the fullness of the encouragement today and the challenge. God has a plan for your life. If you're not living in it, it's not because God hasn't done his part. It's because you have believed the lie and been distracted. Get back in the lane that God has for you. For anyone in this place, those watching online this morning, you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life. You've never received the fullness of God's love. You've never never made a commitment to walk down that path that God has for you because you've never surrendered to God. Or maybe you once walked with God. Maybe you once knew Jesus. Maybe you once were a part of a church. Maybe you once served in some area of ministry, but you got distracted. The enemy came, robbed you of your salvation, robbed you of your desire for the things of God, robbed you from the purposes God had, and you got so distracted, you missed a week, and then you missed two, and then you missed ten, and you were out there for so long. But, but God loved you so much, he's brought you back here today to hear how much the Father loves you. So whether you've never known his love before, you got distracted, and and now you're sitting here today. God's done everything he's going to do for you, and 
Jesus has done everything that he will do for you outside of standing at the right hand of the Father and making intercession. It's now up to you. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. Holy Spirit has prepared your heart even today to consider the love of the Father. God loved you first so much. He was willing to give his son. And his son was obedient to the Father to the point of death so that you could have life. And right here, right now in front of you is a decision, a choice. You can keep on doing it your way or you can surrender to Jesus Christ. It'd be my privilege this morning to lead you in a very simple prayer where we invite Jesus to come in. And when you invite him, he comes in to live. He comes to make habitation in your heart, your soul, your body, your mind. Today, with every head bowed, believers are praying right now for you because we've all done this that we're asking you to do today. You're ready. You want Jesus. Today, you believe the Father truly does love you and he's ready to forgive you. Nobody's looking around. Eyes are closed. Believers are praying. But it's your moment. It's your moment of opportunity. It's your choice today. I choose God. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand up and let me see that and respond? Yes, dear. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, dear. Thank you so much. Today's your moment. Today is your opportunity to say, Jesus, come in. I need you. I know it's a tough decision. It's a life choice. I mean, it's literally your eternity is at stake today because God's knocking at your heart and the enemy wants to keep you away. One last moment. Would you just lift up your hand and say, preacher, pray for me. Lead me today. I'm ready today to pray this prayer. All right, I'm going to invite all of you to pray right where you're seated. Pray this prayer. Pray it in faith. Say this, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, saying thank you for first loving me, Father, and then giving your son Jesus and asking him to die so that I could live. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to go to the cross for my benefit. Today, I acknowledge I need you. I acknowledge you love me first, and now I'm giving you my love back. I confess I need a Savior. I need Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Jesus, I receive what you did for my benefit. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I confess them before you and receive healing, forgiveness, cleansing, and redemption. And I choose this day to give you my love back. And I choose this day to walk with you all the rest of the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for an ovation for that. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.